We have been marching through. We're in the very last of chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to do some decision wrestling. How do you decide? How do you make a complex decision? How do you weigh it out? What categories do you do? I'm going to give you several of them. And then as we go through the, the message, uh, I'll kind of reveal how some of them turned out. So some are more complex than others. But I don't know if you've ever sold a car that you own. Anybody sold a car that you own? There's this, this thing that happens. You sign the title and you flip it over. And there's things you write on the back and things on the bottom. And one of the things they want you to write is how much did you sell it for? Right? So this, oh, just a year or so ago, I, you might recall I told the story that I left church, ran a red light, and crashed into somebody. And uh, nobody was hurt except my truck was hurt. So I'd had this 01 Ford F-150 for years. It was bright red, giant bumper. You could see me anywhere in town. You knew it was me or not me. There was no hiding. Had to obey all traffic laws. But uh, so I wrecked it, and it still ran, but the frame was bent, and the wheels were all messed up. So I just sold it. I was like, I'm just going to get rid of it, sell it cheap, and start over. But there's the moment when you're signing the thing, and the person says, hey, let's write down, and you, you sort of make this agreement to write a lesser number than the sale price, because when they go to transfer the title to their name, you pay sales tax. So that's kind of, so this situation occurs. Well, what number do I write down? Do I write down the actual sale price, the price he wants me to do? Am I helping him out? Anybody ever been there? I won't make you tell. Number two, several years ago, I'm um, with a, another Christian uh, neighbor of mine. We were really working on reaching out to neighbors. And, uh, and a neighbor that lived next to him, we were reaching out to him. He's a gentleman from India and has a Sikh background. So we're reaching out. We did these kind of guys nights. We'd eat dinner together. And he cooked us some amazing curry goat. It's amazing. You might go, I'm not eating goat. I'm telling you, it was fabulous. But, um, but he had a brother-in-law coming into town from England. And so he wanted to show this brother-in-law around. He's also Indian, but living in England. And so these several guys come together and say, we're going to go to such and such pub. Do I go? Do I not go? What does it mean if I go? Can you go? What if it means you go and do you not drink anything? They feel weird. Do you go and you do drink? What if one of them has an alcoholic background? Do I support that? How do you decide? Right? How do you decide? Number three. Years and years ago, we had friends of uh, our kids as friends and men in school. And what happens when you have friends, you meet at school, you get invited to birthday parties, right? Well, we get invited to the birthday party, but this particular family is two moms. Do you go to the birthday party? Do you not go to the birthday party? Do you send the kids to the birthday party? Do you not send the kids to the birthday party? It was actually a family invitation. So what does it mean? By going, do you unintentionally approve something? By not going, do you break a relationship? By going, do you show them who Jesus is? Can your kids handle the conversation? How do you decide? Right? It's complex, right? You know, oh, it's just this. There's factors. Even our friendly, here, that's situation three. Situation four, we've been in a year and a half of COVID and governmental things. What do you do? 
What do you do as a church? Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Do you follow the guy? Do you go to someone's house? Do you not go to someone's house? It's not just a snap decision, is it? How do you decide what you're going to do for your family? How do you decide? Some of you maybe had to decide for your businesses, for your workplaces, for your extended family. You have to make decisions for this church. How do you decide? What are the factors? What weighs into those decisions? What's the right thing to do? And so that's what we're going to see today. We're in the end of 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to look at a situation that Paul and this church was dealing with, which is a situation that I would bet most of us don't deal with and probably will never deal with. But that's not really, the, the point isn't what they were dealing with. The point is how did Paul instruct them to decide? How to decide to engage. So we're going to see the story and we're going to see several things revealed in how you make a decision. It's not the decision that you're going to make, but it's going to give you information and structure for how you decide circumstances like I just gave you, which are all real. None of those are made up. Those are all real. So the point today will be the best decision is to sacrifice. The best decision is to sacrifice. That's the main point, and we'll, we'll work our way to it. I just want to give you that right off the top. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 to the end of the chapter. That's our section today. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 to the end of the chapter. We're going to wrap this chapter up. And you remember, they, in this whole chapter, they've been dealing with, and in their culture, they're dealing with the issue of it's, it's a culture uh, their community, this Roman area, is surrounded by all kinds of temples to the various Greek and Roman gods. And so the things they have to work out is, well, a lot of our cultural, social life happens in those temples. And we saw last week, they said, can I go to the temple event? Uh, no, you can't go there. Spiritual darkness, demonic activity. We saw that last week. But this week, he's going to start talking about, in this passage, but what about... The food in those temples would be sacrificed to idols, and some of it gets sold into meat markets and is at people's houses. And can I eat that? So that's what they're wrestling with. And then we're going to see here how we make decisions. So that's a little bit of the backstory. 10.23, here we go. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be to be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of the many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
So there's our, uh, there's our passage. Like I said, the scenario was, and this was a very real issue to them. You're going, I don't know, this is weird. Food, idols, sacrifice, what are we talking about? But in their culture and their society, this was a normal way to interact. If they're going to go to the meat market and get something for the barbecue, odds were high that the preparation of that meat included being sacrificed, offered to an idol that that business owner was doing. And so that was the question, can I eat that meat or can't I? And then there was the scenario, but what if I get invited to somebody's house and they serve me that meat? Is it tainted? Has this idol thing done anything to it? Does it matter? That, that's the situation that's going on. And like I said, that's probably not likely happening to you. I've never gone to someone's house and like, we have ribs tonight. We offered them to Dionysus. Are you good with that? Like, that's not happened, right? I don't even know if that's a real thing, right? So that scenario doesn't really matter, but the scenarios I shared with you are the same kind of thing. How do you decide? And that's what they're dealing with. How do I decide? Can I eat that? Can I not eat that? Can I go to that house? Can I not go to that house? Can I eat what's there? Can I not eat what's there? We, we just see that situation, and that's what's playing out for them. So the answer, you know, Paul says is, yeah, you can eat it, right? You can eat it. Sure, we'll eat whatever's sold in the market. Don't worry about it. All right, the fact that whatever ritual they did to the meat, he's like, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter, right? Because everything comes from God, right? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He made the delicious cow. He made the delicious pig. He made the delicious chicken. Thank you, God, right? I'm a meat eater, okay, if you didn't know. So he's like, go for it. Everything's from God. Receive it with thankfulness. Don't worry about that. We did see a line last week about you, you can't go to the temple ritual and be a part of what's going on there because that's where spiritual demons are hanging out. And that's, he's like, that's way over the line. You're putting yourself in context for spiritual warfare. But if you're just buying some food, it doesn't matter what they did to it. It's just meat from God. Right? So that's kind of how he says, eat it. God made it. It's good. But then you start to see conditions. Did you see that? And it switched. Verse 27 but if somebody invites you to dinner, right, an unbeliever, they invite you over and you want to go, okay, then what do you do? Eat whatever is there. Who knows? Maybe they even did the ritual. Don't worry about it. There's something amazing about going to someone's house, like the story I told you. I was a little apprehensive about curried goat. I'll just be honest. I haven't eaten a lot of goat in my life. It was fabulous. But, uh, but there was something about... Receiving their hospitality was opening conversation, right? So, so by going there and eating something I wasn't sure about, uh, the reason was this is really important. This is creating connection. So if you're invited over and they're offering you some food and you don't know what their background is and they did some ritual to it, like don't worry about it. But look, now we see another condition. But... If when someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, now you see it starts to change. Then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. So it doesn't really say who the someone is. Is it, a, is it a new believer that's kind of unsure? Like, I used to go to that temple and I know what they did to that meat. We better not eat it. Or is it uh, an unbeliever who's really into that and like, oh, if he eats that meat, then maybe what I believe is okay. He doesn't, he doesn't really say who's telling you not to eat it. But he's saying, if someone comes to you and they say, hey, we're at this thing, I don't know if we should eat that. He says, it's okay to let it go by. Stick with the salad. That's okay. It's okay. So, but what I'm just wanting us to see, again, 
That's not going to be your case. I really doubt you're faced with this situation. But what I want us to see is he begins to say, well, if this is happening, you do this. But if this, there's nuances, there's layers, there's no easy decisions, right? So I want us to see four steps, four categories, four tests, you could say. They're laid in here. How do you decide? How did Paul decide, yes, you can eat the meat from the market. You can go to the house, but you may or may not eat it, depending on who's there and what they think about it. How did he get to that place? How did he just advise them so easily? Yep, eat it, don't eat it. What, what was his criteria? And they're all laid in there, which will help us with those scenarios I gave you. They're all very real in my life. So four steps for how to decide. The first one is to remember it's not about you. This one flies in the face of our American individualized identity, but this is what we see laid in here from the, uh, this is just deep gospel. It's not all about you. It's not about you. So he starts out there in verse 23. This phrasing, I think, is something that he's answering back. We saw it a few chapters earlier. This idea, all things are lawful. I'm free in Christ. I can do it. And Paul, but not all things are helpful. Not all things are profitable. Not all things is a good decision. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And so immediately he's introducing the idea that you might be free to do something, but it might not encourage and build up another person. So all of a sudden you're seeing it, it isn't just about you and your decisions. And then he gets real explicit with it. There in verse uh, 24, uh, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. The English is almost kind of weak. That's an imperative verb. You must not seek only your own good. That's the force of that verb. You must not. It's an imperative. It's a command. You must not seek only your own good. This is the heart of the gospel. The gospel is not, it's all about you, do it works for you, it's all about you. The gospel, the whole even reason that you're saved is because Jesus did what was good for you and not for him. This this little phrase is more uh, borne out in um, Philippians 2.3. He says it, but in a much bigger area. I'll just read it here. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, there's that same phrase, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among you yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So he's saying this is the root of how we think about it's not all about you, because this is what Jesus did, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself Taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men, he hum- or being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He's the eternal God from all time, enjoying all the benefits and rights and privileges of being the eternal Son of God with all authority and glory. And we just read about the angels praising his name all day long. He can do anything he wants, and the thing he does is he descends. And he becomes human, and he takes on flesh, and he becomes obedient to the point of death for our sins, not for his. The whole gospel is summed up in that he did what was good for us. 
So remember, it's not about you. Right? It's not about what you want all the time, that we factor in other people. We factor them in. That is this, right? Nobody wants to wear these things. I don't want to wear them. It's not about you all the time. It's about the person sitting next to you with illnesses. It's about a vulnerable kid. It's about the neighbor, right? And that's the heart of it. That's how do you decide? It's not just what's good for you. What communicates Christ? How do we receive Christ? Who else factors into the decision? It's pretty broad there, isn't it? Your neighbor? That's pretty broad. It doesn't say just your Christian neighbor. So that's the first. When you decide, you've got to realize it's not just your wants and your desires because the gospel is that we lay them down. So that's the first way. You've got to think about that. Second one, what gives God the most glory? When you have a decision to make, what gives God the most glory? See that down in verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, right? So let's see, whether you go to the high guy's house or not, whether you eat the food or not, whether you drink it, it doesn't matter what the thing is, do it all to the glory of God. Glory has the idea of honor, splendor. It also has the idea of reputation. That what will cause God's reputation and his name to be most upheld? Glory in the, the original, the Old Testament Hebrew language means weight. That which is most significant. That's the most important. What, what does your decision do that has the most significance? So it's the idea that when you make a decision, when you act, you're actually reflecting back on God. If I leave here today and I burn out of here 90 miles an hour to get home to a nap... And then I get pulled over, and then I'm mad that I'm pulled over because they delayed my nap, so I resist arrest. It's not just going to be citizen Ryan Jensema got arrested. It's going to be Ryan Jensema, the pastor of Northwest Baptist, who's an evangelical Christian, got arrested. Does that glorify God? What, what, what is on display, right? <laughs> Selfishness and hostility. and It ruins the reputation of God. It ruins it. And so that's what he's saying in this thing. He's like, I need to weigh out what action, what action puts God's honor on display? What action shows the world the goodness of God, the, the, the honor of God? What choice? So when Paul's weighing that out, he's like, you know, in different circumstances, it mattered. If you're invited to the house, he's saying being, going over and receiving the hospitality puts God's hospitality on display. But if I find out that it could be really damaging to someone, I don't want to put that on display. So there's a weighing out. When that uh, truck sold, I did write the lesser amount. And I felt terrible. I was like, this isn't right. This is dishonest. It, it, this isn't truthful. I don't know if he knew. I don't think I told him I was a pastor, but I was like, I can't do it. So I called him up. I was like, I know I wrote that number, but I'm not going to stick with that, and I'm going to write the correct number on my side of the document, so I'm just going to tell you to fix your side. There's just two sides of the document. The bull. I was like, I can't do it. And he's like, oh, it's cool, man. No big deal. Right? So he wasn't that worried. It was a matter of a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't a big deal. But the point was, in that moment, it was not glorifying to God for me to cheat the government for any reason. Like, that doesn't glorify God. That doesn't honor who I am. So that's how, what honors and glorifies God. So we got those first two. It's not all about you. 
It's not about what's best for you. It's also what puts God on display. What shows him the most honor, the most value in your life? What puts him on display with the greatest reputation? Number three, will this cause an offense to someone? Now, this one, you go, oh, people are offended about everything, right? So just hang with me on that. It's not just sort of an arbitrary, you know, I didn't like that shirt and I'm mad at you. Uh, it's, not, it's not arbitrary. So hang with me. I, I probably should have picked a better word, but that's the Bible word. Verse 27, so we have this, right, the scenario. If you're invited and you want to go, go. Let's follow this down. Eat what's there. Don't worry about it. But then we start to see, but other things could happen. Right? If someone says, this has been offered, this was offered to that idol, don't eat it because what it might do to them, right? He says, for the, he says, don't eat it, do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. He's saying, don't eat it for their sake. Like, You're totally free to eat it. It's not like suddenly some weird demon's going to pop out of you because you ate the ribs. Like, no, right? This is not going to happen. It's just meat. But the person who told you could be very disturbing for them. So he says, I don't mean your conscience for his. Saying this didn't change your freedom. In another circumstance, you could eat the meat. But in this circumstance, because you knew that it would be damaging to that person for whatever reason, don't eat it. Then he jumps down. uh, You know, if I partake full thankfulness, why am I denounced? He's like, I'm free to eat it. I could be thankful to eat it. But if you go down to verse 32... But he says, but give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. So these are all different people that have different reasons to have a problem. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage. So the word offense there, uh, it's, it's a nuanced word. It has even the root of the word to mourn or to grieve. So it's not just someone didn't like the way you parked and someone didn't like the hat that you wore. Like that's, we're not talking about petty offenses. We're talking about that you do something that actually could be injurious to somebody, that could cause a grief, a mourn. It's also the idea that it could trip them up in their faith. So if it's a new believer and they still haven't sorted out that eating that meat's not going to mess them up, and you're just like, oh, no, eat away. And they're like, oh, no, my faith, I, I don't understand. This Christianity doesn't make sense. And that guy just trampled all over it. It's just better not to eat it or take it to go bag quietly. No one has to know, right? But if you don't mess this person's faith up, and you see, that's the point. So the offense isn't what someone might say, you offended me on social media. That's not what we're getting at here. We're getting at that you've actually caused a grief, a stumbling block to their growth, to their well-being. And that's what I was weighing out with the go to the pub or not. Right? I cannot go walk in. I'm free to walk in there. I'm old enough. Jesus' first miracle is wine, right? We've read this. He just stood in the class. It's like gallons of wine, too. He didn't just like, here's a bottle. He made gallons of wine. I'm not saying that you need to make gallons of wine, but I'm just saying Jesus had alcohol. It can be handled in an adult way, but there's all these tensions because I know people for whom alcohol destroyed their life. Right? We're doing a funeral today for someone for whom substance abuse destroyed their life. Right? So I know that side of the story. But I also know that these people I'm with don't know Jesus. And so entering into this dialogue could be really helpful. 
and, and keeping the relationship up could be really helpful. But then there's always this, but what if someone sees me walk in? They're like, well, I'm not going to that church. Pastor's a drinker. What? There's all, so I did, I, we went. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. I had this huge mustache that I wore and a big, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. We just went. Like, all right, I'm just gonna go. And we talked for hours and all and I did get to share the whole the gospel and present it all and and they were sort of amazed by it. The guy from England was almost like, You mean people really still believe this? I'm like, Oh yeah, I really do. It sort of just shocked him that that, that still existed. But but that's what I was weighing out, right? This will it affect you know. Would my going there trip somebody up? And as far as I know, I don't think it did. Maybe me telling you the story now just tripped you up. I don't know. But, but that's how I weighed that out. I didn't want it to be an offense. So remember, it's not all about you. What gives God the most glory? Will this cause an offense? I didn't want to cause an offense. Number four, what helps people come to Christ? That was the fourth one. What helps people come to Christ? You see it at the very end. Just as I try to please everyone and everything I do, this is verse 33, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. See, that was a huge deciding factor. The point, I want people to be saved. This is the driving heart of Paul. If you just flip back, a might even be a page, might even just be up the column, we saw this at the end of chapter 9. This is his desire that whatever he does, he wants people to be saved. Chapter 9, 1 Corinthians nine nineteen. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. He's like, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do, lay down rights. There might be different, different circumstances, but I want to see people saved. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. It's all for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ that I may share with them in its blessings. There is no greater joy than walking with someone and they come to Jesus. And you had a part. You're like, yeah. And we're in heaven together and we're going to be together in this and we're serving God together. And I had a, a small part to play in it. And it's a blessing. You know, he's saying verses, well, I did what I wanted to do and I didn't really care about you. And that's up to God if you find him. Right? No. He's like, I, I would, he's like if I, I will do anything. If I'm at the Jew's house, I'm not going to come in there with bacon. He's like, I just won't. He's like, I'm free to eat that. I'm not going to do it. If he's at the Gentile's house, he's going for it. So what helps people come to Christ? That weighs huge. And what will lead somebody? We went to the birthday party. Because we thought most people in that community's interaction with Christians is hostile. is negative. And we thought, maybe they don't know any people who love God and could love them. So we went because of this one. We want people to come to Christ. But it's complex, right? And you and your family might have made a different decision. I, you just, it, it could go either way. So 
I'm just going to take one second to talk about this coming back, or in this moment of coming to Christ. A few weeks ago, I was supposed to launch my next training center, Disciples Making Disciples, but I was home quarantined. So we're starting it again on October 31st. So next Sunday during the 9 a.m. adult group's hour, I'm starting another training center. If you want to learn how to make a disciple, that's what Jenny was saying. I knew I was supposed to make a disciple, but I wasn't doing it. If that ticked for any of you, you go, ooh, I should be making disciples, but I don't really know how. I don't know what to do. This, this training will equip you how to do it. And she said another magic word, hold you accountable to do it, right? And that's what this training does. We hold each other accountable to actually do it. So if that's tricking in your mind on, yeah, I do want to do that next Sunday, 9 a.m., we'll be down here in room 202 in the corner of the prayer room. So let's put them all on the table. The best decision is to sacrifice. Remember, it's not about you. Right? That's when you're making a decision, it's not just about you. What gives God the most glory in your decision? Will this cause an offense, a stumbling block, a mourning? Will this grieve someone if I make this decision or don't? What helps people come to Christ? Because we're going to have tons of complex situations. You, you, and this, I'm hoping, will create a grid work. That's what Paul's here. Your circumstance isn't their circumstance, but the principles that he lays out for how to decide will go to all your circumstances, right? And that's why I said it's, the best decision is a sacrifice because that's the decision Jesus made for us. I want to show it to you in John 12. Jesus is knowing... Throughout the whole book of John, if you come to Eric's class, you'll pick this up for the next few weeks. He keeps saying, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. It's not my time. And then you get to John 12, 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And for the Son of Man to be glorified in John means hang on a cross. That's what it means to be lifted up. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You're the sacrifice. The kernel itself dies to be productive. Whoever loves his life will loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Sacrifice. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And then I love that we get the real emotion here from Jesus. Now is my soul troubled. Right? What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to bear the weights of the sins of the world and the wrath of God for all time. And I'm troubled. I probably have a lot stronger words. Should I get out of this? Save? Should I ask God to save me and not let me go to the cross? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. This is my whole reason for coming. So what does Jesus do? Father, glorify your name. It's it's about you and your glory and your honor, not me and my comfort and my decision. And he says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. I have put it on full display for all humanity that God's grace and mercy come at the cross. And Jesus was willing to do it. And so that's why the best decision for us is to sacrifice, to walk in the steps of Jesus. So he laid it all down to save us. We might lay down some rights to save another, to put God on display, to glorify his name, to not cause an offense to another. And there's a joy there, right? There's a joy. 
that. So I'm hoping this week, maybe even today, you just take that framework and run it through. Write that down. Run that through any decision you have to make. It's hard, but this is where the blessing is. This is where the joy is. This is where the gospel expands. You share in its blessings when we decide to sacrifice. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you lay down your rights so that we might be saved. I thank you that uh, you want to partner and use us to share the gospel. We want to be there. Help us. I know everyone in this room has all sorts of different decisions they have to make. Different circumstances. Lord, let, would you just let your truth filter in. Guide them to which of these will help. Which of these four will help steer them, direct them. Lord, we want to glorify you. We want to serve others. We want to see people saved. We want it to be about you. Help us, Lord. This world is hard. Life is hard. Things are complex. Help us in these decisions. And we just thank you, Lord, that you love us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.